What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I'm your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who's been a good deacon for 16 years, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Yes, I celebrated my 16th anniversary on November 17th. Little did I ever know, or did my folks know, that when I was born that I'd end up getting ordained in the same week, because uh, my birthday was on the 14th. So it, it's now become like this super, super packed week for me. Um, all, all things happen during that week for me that are, that are, that are my high points and they're, and they're, they're lowly. They're lowly. I don't get, I don't get gifts. I, I give up time. And it's like, we had to sneak away to get a, get a little bit of a celebration on the weekend, which we had a great weekend. You and I down at the beach. We sure did. But, yeah. We did get away the weekend before Thanksgiving and it would typically be a weekend that I would spend getting ready for the holiday, doing the cleaning, getting the shopping done, starting to welcome in the family. But we realized that we needed to renew ourselves. Looking back, though, on your ordination day, again, 16 years ago. Now, I do remember that specific week, and I think they had planned it accordingly because it was your birthday on the 14th. And then on the 17th, it was your ordination on that Saturday. And then just a few days later on the Thursday after it was Thanksgiving. So we went from one celebration to the next to the next. And it was just such a beautiful way to get have the family together. And once again, this Thanksgiving, we had a full house of people and it was a really wonderful time to spend with our family. Our goddaughter and her husband were in town and my mom and dad, they were able to make the trip up for Thanksgiving, got to meet their beautiful new great granddaughter, their first. And oh, it was just wonderful to watch them meet her. Yeah, the connection, as you described there, was and 16 years ago so valuable because my mom and dad, who were both alive at that time, were able to take part in all of that celebration we had 16 years ago. Um, so you you look at the at the continuation of life, and yes, I miss my mom and dad, but I loved having your mom and dad here this Thanksgiving, and we have this new life of of a grandbaby in our lives that uh, just makes just makes that continue to be fulfilling as we recognize the our, our mortality that that in this in this life we're going to be with your mom and dad for just a little bit longer mm. and mm-hmm. we need to cherish every moment we can and give thanks and we did we did really well i think I think we did do really well, although for our neighbors, it looked like we were a small uh, used car lot. Their parking was at a premium. And the only thing that was more valuable was sleeping space. We had used up every room, every extra bedroom spare. In fact, our daughter and son-in-law ended up on a blow up mattress in our living room because there was no place at the end for them. <laughs> if anyone's been on a pilgrimage before and they've gone to youth hostels, that's what we had. We had a youth hostel full of young adults and the, the baby. And yeah, yeah. 
Oh, but it was a wonderful time. Again, it was wonderful for me to be able to have my mom up for Thanksgiving dinner. She and I, we can get busy in the kitchen. I know everything about how to cook a great meal because of her. And she taught me how to cook and cook along with her. And so when they came up, it was like, well, same old kitchen, same old time. You're going to do this. I'll do this. I'll get this in. You're going to cover that. It worked so beautifully that it just felt like, yeah, we had been doing this all along. And so that was a really great. Everybody ate well. Everybody enjoyed each other's company, but it did kind of come to a peak, a point, a really beautiful moment because on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, our granddaughter was baptized and we were so blessed to be able to get all of these moving pieces together so that way the whole family would be together on this. So that's going to be our discussion for today. Scott, we don't have a special guest. We're going to talk about baptism. And we're going to share some of the highlights for us, which included you being able to baptize our granddaughter. That is a true rarity and a blessing for a grandfather to be able to baptize his granddaughter. It was a lot for you. It was, but it was, it was wonderful. And then when we come back to talk more about this, but we'll get into some of the challenges that we may be facing as parents uh, who have a grandchild, maybe who comes into the world and in a way that uh, the, the parents, your children, may not be interested in baptizing them. What do we do in situations like that? Challenges like this that we just can, can talk through and to give our, give our perspective the best we can. So we have a wonderful show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Stay with us. claim baptism by immersion is the only true baptism, because the Greek word baptizo found in the New Testament means to immerse. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, although baptizo is used for immersion, it can also be used for wash up, as it's used in Luke 11.38 in reference to the Jewish ritual washings. Second, we agree with our fundamentalist friends that full immersion best expresses the meaning of the sacrament. The Catechism of the Catholic Church makes this clear in paragraph 1239. But that doesn't mean non-immersion baptisms are invalid. In fact, the Didache, a first century Christian catechism dating to around AD 70, gives instruction on how to baptize, stating pour over the head three times. So if you weren't dunked, no need to fret. Immersion baptism is not necessary for a valid baptism. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Join Mater Day Radio and Holy Cross Priest Father Jim Gallagher in a prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mystical Rose, make intercession for the Holy Church. Protect the Holy Father. Help all those who invoke you in their needs. Since you are the ever-Virgin Mary and Mother of the true God, obtain for us from your most holy Son, Jesus, the grace of keeping our faith 
sweet hope in the midst of the difficulties of life, burning charity, and the precious gift of final perseverance. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Patroness of the Americas, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more prayer resources, and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. A great way to support Mater Day Radio is through our Leadership Circle. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs of faith and hope. Simply put, our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. If you run a business or organization, please join us. We need you. Information on our Leadership Circle at materdayradio.com. It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Day Radio. Scott, this was the first opportunity you've had in your 16 years as a deacon to be able to be a deacon for the family. Now, we have two daughters that were married. In both of those instances, well, I realize that you are always in your life a deacon. On their wedding days, though, you were their dad. You didn't have a role as part of the liturgy. But in the instance of our granddaughter and baptizing her with the approval of our parish priest during the mass, you were able to baptize her. It was so beautiful. And it was a baptism really that we had been preparing for since 2019. Back then, you and I had made a trip to Portugal. And when we were there, one of the things that was on my mind was to try to create a legacy by bringing home a baptismal gown, a family gown, similar to the one that I wore at my baptism that all of our children wore that, well, it's it's kind of thin and old now. And so I wanted to recreate that because it was special to me to put my children in a baptismal gown that I had worn. So I brought this baptismal gown home from Fatima, from a day that we had spent there in hopes that someday, and I didn't know when, there would be grandchildren who would wear that. And that happened on Sunday, and it was just such an overwhelming day. We had not seen a baby in that, and it was just, when I saw her for the first time, it it was like seeing my daughter first daughter, oldest daughter, come down the aisle for the first time to, to see her in her wedding dress that I hadn't seen her in. That was, there was a connection there. So for all my girls, both my girls who got, who've gotten married, you know, there was a, there was a connection to this baptismal gown that I, I saw our grandbaby for the first time in this baptismal gown. And it was just at baptism, it was just beautiful. So, and I knew all that connection with Fatima because so much, so much came um, about in our trip to Fatima. Such a wonderful pilgrimage. We've shared that with folks before. But this just brings back those connected memories that, boy, God is constantly with us. Mm-hmm. And to see these moments and to be able to see them with, with eyes that really see through, uh, through the eyes of God the value of what we're doing here, the importance of what we're doing here, and the, and the continuation of what we're doing here. And as I shared, you know, I, I wished my mom and dad could be there. Um, but they were there. They were there with, with I, I, my prayer is they were there with all of the angels 
to uh, to celebrate this and that that God would give them that that grace to be able to be there. That was my hope, and I it's still my hope. So I'm I'm just I just see a, a great connection to where we're going. Uh, and after 16 years, I'm just amazed that I'm able to to be given this this gift. And at Father Nathy, who, who we have at our parish, is just wonderful. So so accommodating and so supportive of me to do this. It's it's not a, an absolute. So it's always up to the ordinary of the of the parish mm-hmm. to allow those things, and I'm obedient to that. So I, all that thankfulness to so many people was just brought forward this week of Thanksgiving. So when that time for her baptism came, it was right after the homily and we were blessed. You were able to also baptize two other children at the same time. And all of the families gathered around that baptismal font and all of our eyes were on you. But I would love for you to just share with me and us listening about what that was like. Our granddaughter had fallen asleep, I think, and our daughter was holding her and you said those beautiful words of baptism kind of what did that feel like for you not only as a deacon but as a grandfather well in my 16 years of being a deacon i've done many baptisms and so there is that to lean back on but this was this was as if it was my first one simply because of that of that uh, recognition that this is my own flesh and blood this is my granddaughter and these people who I'm also baptizing the children of, I I had such a deep connection to both of them. So it was just such an honor to do that. And here I am just just kind of reflecting on that as I'm walking back with father to the baptismal font and and the butterflies are going. I haven't had butterflies go in my stomach in a while, (laughs) which is great. It just reminds me that, you know, we're renewed, we're renewed, we're renewed. And Christ was renewing my enthusiasm and my in my awareness that I'm I'm dependent on you, God, for the, for the blessing that you're gonna you're gonna provide through the action that I'm going to help these families go through. Uh, when I when I read to them and to the community the renunciation of sin and profession of faith section, which if you've been in that baptism at mass, you hear this and you take part in it. It's the part that we renounce. Satan, we renounce the sin, we renounce these various things, and we say, I do, I do. And at the end of that litany that we go through, uh, I, then I then say, this is our faith, this is the faith of the church. We are proud to profess it in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when I said that, this, this flash of connection of my life, of our lives, came just right in there when I looked at all those babies, and I looked at my my daughter and my granddaughter, and it was just moving. And my my voice, you know, I got beclumped. Mm-hmm. And so many people were, were connected to that moment. So I knew that was the Holy Spirit making this that much more present for all who were gathered there, uh, as well as the families who were who were giving their their children to the to God in this very sacred, meaningful way. So, just that was such a blessing. I had to use my third person voice to say, "Whoa, whoa." You got to stay focused, Scott. Right. You got to stay focused and continue this for the benefit of of everyone here. So I I was able to regain composure, but it was just sweet. I I guess the best word for it. it was just sweet and mm-hmm. fulfilling. But you know that was my first baptism at a mass that I've done in 16 years. I've done many baptisms outside of mass. That's when that's when I've taken part in this. So this is the first. This is the first for a number of reasons. 
first time at Holy Redeemer uh, in my new newer position, now a year and a half there, first time uh, doing this in a mass and the first time baptizing one of our grandchildren. Lots of firsts. Our first grandchild, right? And hopefully, well, many more to come from that. Scott, after that mass, so many people that we knew came up to congratulate us. And a couple of them said it was so moving for them and that they had prayed and asked us to pray and hope for them that their grandchildren would be baptized. For so many children leave the faith. Their children are baptized, but they leave the faith and then they don't carry on the sacraments for their own children. And that is such a pain for people. And we recognize even in our how wonderful the joy is when it happens, how devastating the pain can be when it doesn't happen. And for so many people, that's the reality and that we pray for them and it, it hurts. It's hard because we feel like in some way we haven't done our job, right? And, and that's not ever the case, but it doesn't stop the pain from hurting us like that. Yeah, I think there is that exactly what that's well put that we feel somehow responsible for that. And there's, there's so many things that are outside of our knowledge that may be responsible for that decision of our children. If, if you have a child who who's, who's grown up and had kids and they, they don't want to baptize them there. There's this tendency, what did I do wrong mm-hmm. in, in teaching this? And it, it may be nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. It may be something completely outside of that. So having mercy in that moment for yourself and then having mercy for your children so that you can pray for them with authentic love for them. Certainly a parent loves their child, but Christ is asking us to, to have uh, his heart for them when we pray for them as adults and God has given those, those grandbabies to the, the children, our children. Exactly. And so if you're following, if you're tracking that, you know, we have, God gave us our children and when our children have children, he's giving them those children. Yes, we're connected as grandparents, but, but it's our children in that moment who have the responsibility and the authority and so praying for them to find that again, praying for them. I think people just discount prayer as enough. <laughs> I think there's there are those grandmothers, not not going to say who I'm thinking of right now, but who would who would love to just take their children right after birth and baptize them in the sink of the hospital if they could just to get them baptized. Because <laughs> well, you're an thinking emergency. about people in my own family, probably, <laughs> but you know. But here's the thing, Scott, you know, we want that as grandparents. We want our grandchildren to have that special blessing. But you're right. Grandparents, you and I are learning. We have a lane to stay in. We stay in the grandparent lane. We are not the parents. Right. And that can be difficult because all of our lives, we've been in the one in control to decide how it's going to be to, you know, to make things happen. But we can't do that with our grandchildren. So we can't take them outside of the authority of their parents and get them baptized. That's not for us to do. Right. And I think that's, I think there's certainly um, a human component to that, but we, we have to be mindful of the right order of things when it comes to our faith. And I think that's, that's the, the, the challenge that um, and people that came up and talked to us about that, that hurt that's within them. 
well, what can I do in a situation like that? And again, I think people don't give the credit that God bestows on us through our own baptism, through our own confirmation, through our own parenthood, to be able to advocate and pray for our children uh, with, uh, with strength of the Holy Spirit to do that. You know, I think of St. Monica and the power that her prayer had that God graced her with for her son, St. Augustine. It, it, it brings about a memory of that, that when we have a, a grandchild who needs baptism and our children may be refusing that, what can I do? I can pray for my children to find God again. How do I go about doing that? Do I do it in despair or do I do it in hope and certainly that God hears me and God wants that too. And so together we'll be merciful and we'll, and as God is a gentleman, we'll be, we'll be recognizing that deference we need to give our children as they raise their children. So there's a tension there for sure. But if, if your grandbaby is not, baptized. So the church then brings in uh, an understanding of, well, what are the what are the qualities of baptism that exist? Is it only baptism by water? And if you look in the catechism of the, of the Catholic Church, you'll see there's the proper form that mm-hmm. Christ did in the River Jordan is to be baptized with water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, but there is also baptism of desire. And then there's baptism uh, by blood, those who are martyred, or those babies who maybe have not been born yet. There's a potential. Again, God's mercy is God's mercy, and we are not going to be able to define the boundary of that mercy. And so when we panic about, oh my gosh, my grandchild isn't baptized, if that's your situation, if you're listening now, there's hope to be had in divine mercy. There's absolutely hope to be had there. And so trusting in divine mercy, we pray most especially for our children to come back to the faith so that their children can come to the faith. And that's where, our, that's where our focus should be and can be. But it takes humility, it takes obedience, and it takes, again, this order, this right order to how God works in our human nature. Scott, so often, too, we see in the pews of our parishes that sometimes with just the right, just encouragement— Perhaps you can go to your child and just let them know, I would love it if you would just allow me an opportunity to take him to church once in a while with me and maybe encourage them. And and you can come with me to remind yourself there are many ways that we can do this. You can, as you said, pray, see if they'll let you Bring them to church with you. Bring in those wonderful books that let them look, not them ask you questions. But again, it's always about we recognize staying in our lane to always be the grandparent. Now, that's not to say that as a grandparent, we don't have a special and unique way that we can pray for our grandchildren. We can. And and it's very beautiful and it's a very special bond looking at our grandchildren uh, I was again as we talked about in the beginning it was wonderful that I had my parents there to see this all witness and it's a such a grace that they have this little bit of time with them and I did wish and miss your mom and dad because in my own mind I thought to myself boy they would have loved to have been here they would have loved that. The legacy, this is our faith. And it was a legacy that was passed on to them 
that was given to you, that you were given to our children and so forth. I mean, it's just really such a beautiful, beautiful relationship. And so as grandparents, yeah, we don't always get to make the decisions anymore, but it doesn't mean that but we don't have a very special and unique relationship with our grandchildren. In our faith journey, we, we, we have to cling to hope. And, and as grandparents, as parents, uh, when we look at those challenges our kids and our grandchildren are facing and feeling this sense of despair, we can recognize that that's not of God. The devil wants us to despair because it creates disunity, disunity in the family, disunity and relationship. And we don't, we're not about that. As mm-hmm. people of faith, we're about pushing to the connection, pushing to the unity. And that means setting our own uh, sense of right and wrong in a hu- humble way before whoever we're inviting to the faith through that invitation. When we do the invitation, it can't be forced. Force and faith are, are independent and contrary to one another, I would argue. That we, when Christ comes to us, he offers it. He invites us, encourages us to come back into the fold, to come be with him, to look to the future that he has promised, that he has created a room for us in his father's house. That's all rooted in hope. And if we can't bring that to our children and grandchildren in an authentic way, then we have work in ourselves to do. And I'm, I'm putting myself in that situation constantly that we have to say to ourselves, and again, the third person voice, Scott, I need to, I need to revisit where is my hope? Because I'm certainly having anxiety maybe right now. If you're listening to this, we pray for you in the moment of this mm-hmm. anxiety you may be having, because we have seen hope and hope is absolutely present and true and what Jesus came to give us. And so how do we bring that into our family? We dive back into our need to reconnect to that hope. And it will inspire, I promise, our children and our grandchildren. And my mom and dad are witnesses of that uh, in themselves for their, for their grandchildren mm-hmm. and who have come, come into the faith. So we just continue that in our, in our own uh, grandparenthood. Absolutely. And a true inspiration for us as well was to be present at our granddaughter's baptism and to also see our son-in-law's side of the family. Again, support and love all around. Scott, before we go, will you end us in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the tremendous hope you show in the example of baptism within our faith. Help us to spring that hope forward into family, into community, into our workplace, but to do so with humility, trusting that you have promised the Holy Spirit will be with us when we do that. And so in a loving manner, in a merciful manner, let us continue to hope for our children, our grandchildren, that they will follow you as we work ourselves towards our salvation to be with you for eternity. We ask this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless and have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. 
For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.